Hey everyone, welcome to the Travis Stork Show. Today's guest is a friend of mine, Brad Ludden, who is a professional kayaker who founded a charity called First Descents. This is just a wonderful organization that benefits cancer patients, in particular young adults who have been diagnosed with cancer, who are being treated or have been treated for cancer, and it really addresses the lack of community that a lot of young adults with cancer have and uses the power of the outdoors and adventure to bring young adults with cancer together to not only create a community, but to inspire and to having been been to one of these camps to really allow these individuals an opportunity to feel good about themselves in the midst of something that is so scary and potentially isolating. So I, I really hope you enjoy this conversation. This is something I recorded with Brad back in early April. And um, so the context there is that we were really just in the early stages of the quarantining and the pandemic, but enjoy this conversation. And, and I would be remiss if I did not recommend everyone do their own research on First Descents. It is a wonderful charity. And if you go to firstdescents.org, you can read more about uh, their concept of outdoor adventure for young adults living with cancer. And you can learn not only more about the organization, but if you'd like to donate, it's a great cause. And I would certainly recommend doing so. Enjoy the podcast. I love the beard. This is what happens when you get quarantined in Montana and the, the barbershop closed down, man. You just, yeah, it, it gets Western. It's not always a good thing. So you are, you are homesteading where in Montana right now? Where is this cabin in the woods? Well, I, I came into town today to, to chat with you and resupply on some groceries, but we, um, my family owns a piece of property up near the Canadian border off the grid, kind of, kind of on the edge of uh, Western edge of Glacier National Park. And there's a this little hundred year old homestead cabin up there that I was like, man, if I'm going to be stuck in quarantine, I'm, I'm going up there because there's nobody for miles. I mean, you're surrounded by the most beautiful mountains and rivers and wildlife. So I was like, that's a good excuse to go live in a cabin, I guess. Picture I saw of you backcountry skiing. Was that out by your cabin? Yeah. Yeah. There's some epic backcountry skiing and, and uh, snowmobiling and, and cross country skiing and trail running. It's just endless out there, man. It's really just a vast expanse. It's, it's a nice place to be actually. Today, I might go through a bike for a bike ride through Percy Warner Park in Nashville. <laughs> Do you think I'll see a grizzly bear? <laughs> oh, bro, I hope not. But given the, given the way things are going in the world today, you might. <laughs> I've been looking for an excuse to, to just go live up there in the cabin off the grid. I never imagined it would have been this excuse. And I certainly hope that wasn't going to be the case, obviously. But I guess all the same. And that's, that's what I'm doing. It's what I love about you, though. You know, okay, you have your North Star. And a lot of us don't always have that North Star that we go to and we can get caught up. And honestly, I'll be the first to admit that it's been a long time since I've been out in the wilderness and it's killing me. <laughs> it, it's it's hard to not have that escape, but you have always turned to nature when you need your respite from the craziness of society. And I've always admired that about you. And you, you're actually the guy who 
did go to a cabin at the border of Canada. You know, most of us think about it and we talk about it and we want to do it. And we're like, wow, man, maybe, you know, maybe that um, third week of June, I'll finally get out there. And then the third week of June comes. Do you make a commitment to yourself to do that? Is there something that you like a pact that you make with yourself? Because I know you and I know that you also with what you do at First Ascent, you have to do a lot of the personal interaction stuff. So do you just make a commitment with yourself that despite all of those quote unquote job requirements that you're, you're going to always escape when you need to? Yeah, man. You know, I, I do. I, I think, uh, well, first of all, you have a standing invite to come out anytime, bro. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I'd love to hang out with you. That's for dang sure. But well, I, I need you. Hey, r- real quick, Brad, I need you to, you know, you're going to have to teach the survival skills to my son because mine are, yeah. mine are rusty at best. <laughs> I think he's got a pretty good mentor, but I'd be honored to hang out with the kid, man. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, I, you know, I guess I found throughout my life that it's almost like being in that setting or, or turning into nature or, or, you know, living out of a cabin certainly in any other circumstance, this is unique, but it's, it's not like an easy default. You know, it's easier to be surrounded by creature comforts and, and to turn on Netflix or, you know, to go to a restaurant. Like, it's not always easy to do these things, but I've time and again, I've sort of sort of retroactively evaluated the benefit of doing so. And it's always like been the, the most beneficial thing I do for myself over the course of a week, a month or a year is to, to go into those posi- those places to, to force myself into natural settings, you know, to force myself to live out of a cabin for a bit. I refuse to let myself forget it because it's too easy not to do it, but not doing it is too much of a detriment to my health and happiness. And so uh, I, I do, to your point, you know, like I, I'm, I make sure I make time for it. Otherwise, if I lose that balance, I think I lose everything. Brad, I'm, I'm so like you. I mean, I'm never, ever close to Netflix I, um, <laughs> see here, what, what, what do you, <laughs> what Real do you want to pick, pick the English game back up with me? Let's see here. We got season one, episode two. Let's, oh, bro. let's see what's going on. Better. I swear we didn't plan that. That was amazing. And, and here we go. <laughs> no, like, you're, like you're in the middle of the episode. It's like, yeah, resume playing. Hey, don't get me wrong, man. I, I love Netflix. I, and I miss it. You know, like I, there, I, Right now, like when I'm out at that cabin, I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to watch a movie. But instead, I force myself to read a book, which is probably, you know, I don't do enough of that. And so uh, I'm, I'm certainly not saying I look down on anything like that or, or that I don't do it myself. I just find that I, I, I feel very balanced if I can force myself into maybe that less uh, default setting out, out in nature. All right. So tell me this then. What's your favorite book you've read while you're out in the, the middle of the woods. Well, bro, I'm a slow reader, so it's not like I've read a bunch of books, but <laughs> I actually dug into, uh, I'm kind of more interested in the history of the American West and, uh, you know, that sort of the, the way it was settled and, and the way of life before, you know, Westerners or Europeans came out and, and settled. And, and so right now I'm reading Empire of the Summer Moon, which is about the Comanche tribe. And have you read it? This is where I have to be honest with you. I, yeah, I was reading that book. And then life got in the way because it's, you know, reading a book, you're, you're in it and then you get distracted and then you forget. So I'm halfway through, but that was as of probably three months ago. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I get it, bro. Like I said, if I weren't in quarantine, that, that read would take me like a year 
and I'd have to keep restarting because I'd lose track of where I was at and whatnot. But this has been a, a good opportunity to just block out that time to read it. And I've, I'm just fascinated by it. It's, it's, uh, it's tragic and, and uh, amazing and, and, and insightful all at once, you know. And, and there, interestingly, I'm, I just recently went over a part that talked a lot about, you know, obviously the, the role that disease played in, in the history of, of mm-hmm. you know, Native Americans and tribes and settling the West. And I was like, wow, that's pretty timely. So, <laughs> but it's, uh, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. You've for inspired sure. me. I'm literally going to go dust off that book. And we're going to start a book club, <laughs> you and me. We're going to, we're going to meet once a year and talk about half the book we read. No, what we'll, we'll do is we'll, we'll connect via satellite phone because that's probably the only service you can get from the cabin, right? That part is true. Yes. So the, the only book club via satellite <laughs> phone in America. <laughs> Uh, but dude, keep, keep me posted if you whatever your next book is. Keep me posted, and absolutely, man. And and likewise, same to you. And when I get done with the Empire of Summer Men, we'll we'll have our uh, we'll have a little two person book club. Sign me up, bro. So tell me this because, and I want to dig obviously a little bit deeper into your past and what inspired you to start First Ascents. But it was a loaded question asking you about your experiences right now in quite frankly, the wilderness, because that's what I call that is that's vitamin N on steroids. That is vitamin nature and not, not enough of us get enough vitamin N. And I've had periods of my life where I've done a much better job. And what's interesting is if I'm going to give a talk, sometimes I'll talk about the importance of vitamins and I always throw out vitamin N and I'll tell people that studies have shown that even if they just have a window and they look outside from time to time, or if you work in a cubicle and you have a picture on your wall of a maybe the trees, a forest, a mountain landscape, and you spend a little time looking at that, just a few minutes every day, something happens where we have more energy, our rates of depression drop, and it's a physiologic response to being in nature or even behind you right now, there's a picture of, it looks like a a mountain range. Yeah, that's where my cabin is. (laughs) Just for clarification for everyone right now, you are not in the cabin, you're about Two hours yeah, away. Yeah, two hours and, uh, away. Two hours away. Yeah, in Whitefish, Montana. But that's to your point. I, I have that picture up there because when I can't be at the cabin, just even looking at that mountain range brings me so much happiness. I'm so mad at you. I go to Whitefish, <laughs> Montana to get my vitamin in, and you're like, "Damn, I got to get the hell out of Whitefish." Big city. There's some truth in that. <laughs> this big city living of four thousand people is really getting to me. <laughs> oh, bro, it's the truth, man. I was driving down the dirt road for like an hour today, and every mile I got closer to town, like. My blood pressure was rising. I was getting anxious. I was like, dude, I'm going to Whitefish. This isn't like the big city. So it's, uh, it's all perspective, I guess. But what, it, what happens to you when you get out in nature? What happens to you mentally, physically? What do you feel that change bring? Because again, vitamin N, it's not a vitamin supplement you take in pill form. And it's, so it's one you have to force yourself to engage in, much like reading. We'll call that vitamin R, (laughs) but what, like what happens to you that transforms how you feel? Yeah, man, it's funny because I, you know, not being the doctor, I I can't really uh, say necessarily what all is behind it, but I, I, for me, I just like life slows down and expands a bit. Right. So I, I have all of a sudden, like my, my thoughts aren't racing. The voice in my head isn't interrupting every thought I, I have, you know, I, I find myself allowing myself to daydream, to, to think at a more macro level. And some of my best ideas come from, 
being out in nature for extended periods of time, extended meaning like an hour, two hours, even, you know, it doesn't have to be days. Uh, I find my, my anxiety dropping feelings of depression kind of wash away. Uh, and, and just a, uh, an overall feeling of kind of general well-being and happiness is restored or, or, or improved. And those are all like really important states of being, I think that, you know, the longer I go without being out in nature, the kind of more stark that transition is when I go into nature and realize, wow, I was really deprived of vitamin N, if you will, you know, I was, I was really low on that. And uh, for me going for too long without it is is pretty detrimental to my health and happiness and, and uh, sort of mental state. And you need more vitamin N than most of us. So if we think of it as, as a vitamin, <laughs> Fair enough. You grew up in the mountains and you are someone who spent so much time on rivers as a professional kayaker. But I think your point is valid, which is I was I was kind of making light of me going for a bike ride through Percy Warner Park, which is an awesome urban park in Nashville. And I'll tell you what, there's some great winding hilly roads through that park that when I go do it and I have a loop from my place here, I feel great. It's not... It's not the mountains of Montana or certainly not where, you know, I, I'm originally from in Colorado, but it, it's, it's still special. It still serves a purpose. And I think the importance of that, and this is why I love what you did when you founded First Ascent. When you're going through a traumatic experience like cancer or quite frankly, anything, people undermine the effect it takes on someone's mental state and mental well-being. And so, you could potentially get a diagnosis and whether you're a young adult, adolescent, it doesn't matter your age, you end up spending so much time in a hospital that it's almost as though people forget about the importance of, well, I shouldn't say they forget. They, they find things like vitamin N, nature, adventure. They, they think of it as being, and I'm not talking about the patients, I'm talking about surrounding family members, caregivers. It's like, oh, that's you know, that is just not worth thinking about during this time. You know, this is a time to beat this cancer. We're going to spend all of our waking time either in the hospital or focusing on this cancer. But you realize that what people really need, based on your own experiences, what they could really use is a break from all of that. So let's take cancer survivors or cancer patients who are able to spend some time away from, from treatment and let's get them in an outdoor setting, doing something that feels adventurous to them, that's still safe, whether it be rock climbing or whitewater kayaking, to give them that piece of life, that joy that they've been missing. How the hell did you come up with this damn concept when you were freaking, like, what, 20? I mean, 20-year-olds who are professional kayakers, Brad, they're not supposed to come up with these things. I, uh, I would say it's probably a lot of luck, a lot of guidance from my mom and, and the support of a lot of people who believed in me when maybe they had no reason to, but, uh, fortunately it, it happened, but I, you know, at your earlier point, I just, for me, it was kayaking as a, a young professional athlete was for me, it was everything. It was, it was, it was my community. It was my happiness, my identity, my, uh, you know, it's kind of my drive in life. And I, I just found it to be such a restorative experience and such a, a positive experience. And I, realized that I was in a position to create it for someone else who, who wouldn't otherwise have it. And for me, it was easy to take someone kayaking or to, to provide that opportunity for them to do it. And I knew that if they could have it in the, in the right setting, then it could positively impact their life too. And so it just seemed like, you know, 
started connecting those dots and, and decided that uh, I'd worked with people with cancer in the past. My aunt, as a young adult, had cancer, and I'd just seen some of what they were going through and thought, well, this could be at, you know, this could be helpful. So that's how it came to be. And, and now what we're realizing, and to your earlier point, is just that, um, you know, when we initially did it, it, it was very much viewed as additive. And even in my own mind, I thought maybe this is just additive. Maybe it's just this sort of fun thing that they get to do and take a break or think about something else. But now we have two published uh, research studies out there that demonstrate that these programs actually help alleviate uh, feelings of, of depression, anxiety, um, isolation, alienation, all things uh, that we're seeing pretty unanimously across the board with young adults with cancer that they're experiencing at pretty distressful levels. And so these things are, are actually now being viewed very much as, you know, an actual therapy. And two years ago or three years ago, we launched this campaign called Prescribed Adventures, Prescribed Adventure, where we saw, we started working with all these healthcare professionals and medical centers around the country because they too are realizing that this isn't, this is all, it's a necessity, right? Like, and, th- and I think that's the shift we need to have as a whole is that being in nature, whether that's your local park or whether it's the wilds of Montana, it's a necessity that vitamin N that you talk about. It's, it's not just, it's not something we should enjoy when we get it. We should seek it out. We should make it a part of our lives, whether that's walking in the park, just getting fresh air, just getting outside all ages. I just think it's so important for us uh, to, to return to that state or to at least infuse some of that back into our own lives. And being in this quarantine, I think, you know, I've talked to a lot of our participants and our alumni they too are realizing like even in the situation safely, obviously, and, and within the directives given, but trying to find each day an opportunity to, to just see nature, whatever that can be. I, I think it's, it's hugely helpful. It's life-giving. And I think anyone who hasn't seen how a first descent adventure takes place, not every, well, let me back up and say that this discussion goes beyond any particular session or form of going into nature. And I just think it's a reminder to anyone right now, you could literally be sitting there with a loved one who has cancer, you may have cancer and you may be sitting on the couch thinking, you know what? I I can't remember the last time I went for a walk and that's because either everyone around me has been so focused on my treatment, but the therapeutic benefits of getting out of the headspace that we often get into again, whether you have cancer or not, in many cases, it's so beneficial, not just for your mental health, but physiologically the changes that happen, I humbly think can improve treatments. And again, it goes, it, we're focusing, your, your focus initially was on young adults with cancer because they're largely overlooked in society. We forget about young adults because we think of cancer uh, a lot of times and a lot of the research is focused on older individuals. And it's kind of tough when you're, when you're 21 years old and you get diagnosed with cancer and undergoing difficult treatments and you don't know who to turn to. But that gets back to this concept of vitamin N, getting out in nature, but not just that. What I love about First Ascents, and I encourage anyone to look into it, it when you put it yourself in a kayak and you push off a riverbank and go down a river, and when I went and did went with you that one time out in Montana, you know, there are a few participants who were, they were a little bit afraid, right? Yeah. 
which is what you feel (laughs) right because it's but the minute you push off that riverbank every single thought that you have in the world that is hyper focused on negative things like maybe your treatment your cancer or again if it's just someone who's dealing with depression or they're just feeling a little bit overwhelmed in life it all disappears because it's you in this little plastic vessel going down a river in a forest in the mountains and it's transformative anyone who's never done it i highly recommend going and doing this because it's it's transformative in a way that you don't need to be a professional whitewater kayaker to get that endorphin release you can go down a class one class two little ripple and you feel that water splashing on your face and it's, it's cathartic. hundred percent, man. And I think, especially for our participants, you know, the, the cool thing is that to your point, like when you are diagnosed with cancer, your life, your family's life, your friend's life becomes about that experience. Right. And uh, I, I think, you know, some people are treated with a sense of fragility from then on by, by their peers. You know, there's a certain disconnect in how they're feeling. They, they just kind of like, it, it really disrupts your life. And so to go out on a river where nature doesn't, you know, she doesn't care who you are, what your background is, how, if you've had cancer or not, she, she's an equal, you know, treats everyone equally. And so I, I think it's a really cool opportunity for these, for these young adults who've had cancer to come out and kind of like stake their, you know, reclaim some of that life, like reclaim their identity back to, to, to become this kayaker, right? Like it's this, it's this very empowering experience. It is scary. You know, there's no question. I, the, the, the river is still rushing and cold and the rocks are still hard, you know, just cause you've had cancer doesn't mean any of that's easier or dumbed down, right? Like it's, you're still kayaking and there's some, some power in that knowing that you achieved that, that mother nature didn't give you that. And, and doing that with a group of peers, right? Like creating that connection. So many of our participants uh, just have overwhelming feelings of isolation and, and alienation from a peer group. And one of the beautiful things about nature is in I'm feeling it now more than ever is its ability to create community, create connection, right? Not only to ourselves, but to other people. So if you have a shared adventure, if you and I paddle a Mm -hmm. river together, our connection is going to be so much deeper than say, if we went and got lunch, right? Like it's just, there's no two ways about it. It's such a life defining experience for both of us to have undertaken it together forms a bond that that's pretty everlasting. And so it's, there are just a lot of really beautiful things that can come out of, of a good adventure outside, I think. And, and they're not, like I said earlier, it's not just additive, right? It's not just fun. It's, it's kind of mandatory. That, that vitamin yeah. N should be a prescription, bro. I really believe it. I believe in it. I wish everyone had the opportunity to go on one of the adventures that, that you all put together. And why I'm proud of you is that First Ascents is the first of its kind in that, in that sense. And getting back to the element of nature and we'll focus on kayaking only because that's how I got to know you initially. And when you go kayak, ironically, it's an incredibly an individual pursuit (laughs) and that water's running, it's cold and it is you and that river. And it's so 
it forces you to, it's an A, active meditation, right? Because you got to focus. 100%. 100%, bro. And I feel like, I, I remember when I first started whitewater kayaking and then I got a little bit better, did some scarier rivers. And I remember thinking, wow, every ER doctor should be forced to do this because you have to learn how to calm your nerves when you're whitewater kayaking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the stuff you've done is next level. And so you've clearly learned and developed a, a gift to do that. But getting back to just someone maybe who's never gone on an adventure like that and, and is intimidated, obviously, if you go on an adventure to go whitewater kayaking for the first time, you're not going to go down some death-defying class five river. But that doesn't matter. That individual moment alone with that water, you can hear it. You can look up if you're in a valley, you may see the entire valley. If you're going through um, a gorge, you look up and you see that gorge and you think, wow, you know what? The only way to see this is on this river and you're by yourself. But then getting back to the way these first descents programs work, you go through that incredibly empowering individual experience of I can do this and it was me and nature and I am fulfilled. And then you go sit around a campfire with fellow participants who are also young adults with cancer who, or who've survived cancer, it's the, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm, I'm, they're able to share things that maybe even earlier that day they couldn't yeah. because the fear is replaced with this. I don't want to use the word invincibility. No one's invincible in this world, but it's a fearlessness. That was my impression. A hundred percent, bro. It's, it's, at our, you know, our programs are different durations, but for a week long program, the participants show up on day one and you're thinking to yourself, inevitably, you just like, no matter how many you've done, you're like, wow, how is this going to go? Like these guys are half of them wish they hadn't shown up. They don't know each other. They're, they're scared. They're, you know, they're nervous. They're unsure of themselves, of this experience. And that river just to what you just said, like paddling through this rapid, it's like this weird catalyst. Something happens in that process where the self-confidence, and and that's also been proven, the self-confidence, the self-esteem, the camaraderie, all these things are catalyzed in that in that rapid. And then you know afterwards, like you get to the take out the river after a couple days of of doing this, and you you'd think these guys had known each other their whole lives. You'd think they're family, you know. And sitting around that campfire where the first time they met each other, they're afraid to talk to one another. Now, I mean, they you know, it goes on for hours just spilling out about their lives. And, and, you know, we don't tell them to do that. They just, they, they do it. And that, you know, it, it, you can tie it all back to that, that experience in nature. And, you know, for me, it's always been whitewater kayaking and, and that's really my true passion, but we found it to be effective through surfing, uh, mountaineering, rock climbing, ice climbing. You know, we just ran a ski program. We've done mountain biking programs. I think it's that vitamin N, right? Like that's that it's truly, that's what does it. It is humbling how transformational and powerful that experience is. And it's also this concept of active meditation, because if you're, this is just the way I'm built. I don't know how you're built. I <laughs> Same way, bro. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you and me both, we're realistically not going to sit in a chair for an hour and passively meditate and just sit there with my legs crossed. And I'm not belittling people to do it because I'm so impressed with those that can. And I, I certainly I try things if if I'm worked up, deep breathing, big fan of that. But 
you know, I'm much more likely, even if, if I can't get out in nature, if I need to do some deep breathing and some, med- I'm going to jump in an ice bucket so I can, I'm doing something. But when you engage in an active pursuit and you mentioned a plethora of options, it doesn't need to be whitewater kayaking. It can be mountain biking, surfing, stand up paddle boarding, rock climbing. When you're doing that, you are so focused on the task at hand that you are meditating without realizing it. And it is a beautiful thing for anyone listening who's never really had that feeling because you can't, the thing is you can't not meditate because you again are so focused on what you're doing that your mind, no matter what you were thinking about going into doing that activity, all of a sudden there's this element of, Oh shit, I better pay attention. (laughs) And whether your, your mind was obsessing about finances or in the case of first descents, cancer, or maybe anyone listening, you've been through a, a bad breakup or getting out and doing something adventurous like that, active meditation, no matter how, even if you're pathetic like Brad and I and don't have the skill <laughs> yeah, to passively meditate, you can do it. You can actively meditate. I, I couldn't, this is why we have a book club, man. I swear. This is what, like we, we're, we're meant to hang out all the time. It's, it's exactly how I feel. I, I really do struggle. And to your point, I admire people who, who can passively meditate and sit inside and, and meditate. I think it's a tremendous gift. I can't do it. Absolutely. Um, but I can when, I, when, I, when I'm outside in that flow state, right? Like when I'm in the middle of a rapid, my mind is not elsewhere, right? It can't be. You, you, it's, it's like nature just forces that presence she you know she forces us to be present and that's just a gift man you know if if i'm i'm afraid of heights so if i go rock climbing especially and i'm i'm up on a, a vertical rock wall you can bet your ass i'm not like thinking about oh did i pay that bill or you know what was stressing me out or is work or you know relationships or whatever like i am i am so fully present that like because of that brad i don't the rock climbing one the only thing i would argue is I, I have a few times when I'm rock climbing, I'm like, oh shit, I hope I tied this night not correctly. <laughs> I'm telling you, you've never seen me so scared, bro. If I'm up on a rock, like, I, I, yeah, our participants, like, if I've been to a few FD rock climbing programs and it's, it's like laughable, you know, because we go kayaking and I'm very much in my element. I forget that. And uh, so some of them who've been to both programs with me just love to make fun of me because I'm up on the rock. I'm scared shitless. Like I'm like shaking and like freaking out. And, but that's the point, you know, like that's good. That's healthy to, to be so far out of your comfort zone, not only so that you're present, as you're saying, but the, the growth that we experience in those moments is uh, I don't know that there's another way to, to obtain it. I'll be honest with you. I the first outdoor sport that I really got into was rock climbing. And good for you. (laughs) And and I I remember I used to go just like launch. I would time myself in and, you know, you can do all sorts of fun rappelling and I would go jump head first over the cliff. And I, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore because I've just seen too many crazy things. But maybe what you're arguing for is the very thing we may maybe need the most in nature is the thing that scares us the most, as long as we're doing it safely. So for you, for instance, realistically, if you get in a kayak now, and it's, you know, it's just your, your standard whitewater river. You're pretty confident. You've been doing this a long time, but if you go rock climb and you get really high up, that's that zone, whatever that, that yeah. tune out everything else zone, you're locked in and it feels scary. 
But then when it's over and anyone who's had this experience, you, you can get that experience a little bit if you're about to give a speech, right? And, and you, you, you know, you're nervous, you're nervous. Then you give the speech and you're like, wow, I, I feel great. I accomplished that. I did that. And I think that's what some of these outdoor pursuits do for people because you're getting out of your comfort zone. I'm not sitting on the couch watching Netflix, which I do like to do. Um, in <laughs> Me fact, too, bro. Me too. I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm 100% with my wife tonight watching Jeremiah Johnson as a tribute yes. to you. And in fact, in fact it's a great, great film. We, we interrupt this podcast. I'm trying to figure out, I think my phone just died. It's pretty funny. I was going to look up. I, I need to. I need to go ahead and crop a picture of the movie character, Jeremiah Johnson, and put him right next to you right now. Yeah, on it's screen. one of the best, best films ever, man. That's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a fraudster, right? I grow a beard because I want to be that guy, right? I'm, I'm, I'll never be a tenth of the man he was, especially in that movie. What a great movie. Oh, man. <laughs> the, the best part is with the beard going full bore right now. You got the, you know, the button up um, flannel <laughs> shirt. <laughs> you would fit right in in downtown Nashville right now. Oh man! That's because scary. that's the the no. I'm no. I'm telling you, like that look, the actual mountain man look. It's on fire. It's like that's uh, the look. We've, we've, us urbanites have stolen stolen it from. Oh you. no, man! That, that's a sad day right there. I guess I better go shave, dude. People are gonna get the wrong impression. <laughs> well, I, I asked my wife last night because I had I let my beard get a little yeah. It was just a few weeks. I said, Hey, you know, what do you think? Can I just, can I keep the beard going? You know, Hey, even if I'm just doing a few podcasts, she said, just shave. (laughs) (laughs) She, she doesn't like the Jeremiah Johnson look. That's fair. That's fair. I don't, I don't blame her. I I definitely think that uh, this is the only person that's happy about this is me in my life right now. But I, I usually grow one during hunting season. They are functional. Like my face is warmer, you know, like, and it's cold Montana right now. But it's definitely not like I, you know, my mom who unfortunately passed, but when she was alive, boy, if, if I started growing a beard, she let me hear about it. She did not like it. So I, I always feel a little guilty when I have one. So this is the worst it's ever been. But I, I swear it's because, the you know, the barbershops, everything's closed and I'm living out of a cabin. So it just feels right to leave it right now. I may never get another chance like this. Brad, have you, have you seen my hair? It's, it just goes straight <laughs> up because I don't, I don't cut my own hair. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> But I, hey, I, you know what? Everything comes full circle. Back to being out in nature. One of the beauties of it is there are no mirrors in nature. Yeah. You're out in nature. You're not thinking about the things that we often obsess about. Does my shirt look good? Do I, these shoes work with these jeans? I've never met someone who doesn't have any vanity at all. So in normal society, if we're, whether we're going to get a cup of coffee or, although my wife would argue that <laughs> she wishes I had a little more... Uh, concerned with what I wear. But, <laughs> but we're not sitting around in nature thinking, how do I look in this? You're, you're instead, you're thinking, okay, is this going to keep me warm? Does this serve the, the purpose of it's raining outside? Is this going to be waterproof? Even your beard, quite frankly, serves a purpose. It gets cold out there. It does. And then they're Montana woods. <laughs> it does, man. I, I was, uh, I was went for a long cross country ski yesterday and I came back to the truck and I was like, oh, I feel great. And I, did look in the me, you know, I went to back up and I saw my face and it was just like icicles. And I was like, oh, I didn't even notice, you know, just covered nice. So it is functional. I, I think, you know, what we forget is that we're rapidly evolving or devolving or however, you know, as humans away from our natural state, we, we are thousands of years. We, we had a balance in nature. We lived in nature. Like that's, that was our default. That was our way of being. 
And, you know, we, we've kind of like removed ourselves from it. And I, I don't, I don't know that that's a good thing. I think it's good to your earliest point of having some connection or, or reminder to nature, whether that's just going for a walk in a park or having a picture on your wall, like so much of our being is meant to, to interact with nature. And we just don't do enough of that anymore, I don't think. And so, you know, I, I, that vitamin N stuff, man, I, I, it really is important. We, we rely on it more than maybe we give ourselves credit. We should ask, so anyone listening to say, okay, if Brad is cold, what does he do? If Travis is cold, what does he do? Well, <laughs> if Brad is cold, Brad grabs some twigs and probably gets a magnifying glass and starts a fire. Travis, currently in his home in Nashville, goes and finds a sauna somewhere <laughs> to warm up. But you, hey, you would be proud of me. I am underneath me. My bike rig is is uh, loaded up with bike touring bags because as soon nice. as I'm able, before, before our son is born, I've been given permission to uh, to go hop on the bike and go do a little mini bike tour. So I don't know how many days I'm going to get, but I'm going to... Good for you, bro. That's fantastic. You, I'm excited. You've been, yeah, you, you've always kind of had those visions. I, I, I In our conversations throughout the years, you've mentioned wanting to do some bigger bike tours. I'm stoked that you're doing that. That's that's way out of my realm of ability or, or comfort for sure, man. That's That's hardcore stuff. That is definitely not true. But what I will say is that I agree with you in terms of technology is amazing. Technology keeps us in some ways closer than ever. The fact that I can talk to you right now, looking at you, and then say, hey, Brad, this is cool. I, I've got this new podcast called The Travis Store Show, and other people can listen to this, even though why would they want to listen to the two of us? I'm not sure. So, <laughs> hey, we want to listen to us, and that's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think book club. book club, you know, podcasts, all of these yeah. things, um, you know, TV isn't just TV anymore. It's streaming. I, when, when you and I started, I had used my phone to put the picture of a graphic behind me because technology is amazing. But the more incredible, the more time I spend with technology and I'm, I'm Brad, I'm embarrassed. I wake up in the morning and I start reading the news on my, my iPad I know you're. I know you're ashamed of me. No, everybody I be. does, bro. <laughs> so, so the but the gentle reminder, and I think that this is perfect timing for me to talk to you because probably two months ago I was telling Paris nightly. I was like, Paris, I feel myself. I just I can't tell you exactly what this is, but I'm feeling like I need to go on an adventure, and as time. You know this as life works itself through days, then weeks, then a couple months later. And just last night, because I told her I was talking to you today, I was like, you know, Paris, because of life and circumstance, I'm like, I still remember how two months ago I, I told you I just need to get out into nature by myself and get some of that vitamin in. I realized that I, I still haven't because it's just that next thing. Yeah. And and with technology, it's that next email. It's that next text message, that next social media post. And I want to ask you because you are better at this than most people I know. And it, and it was the start of our conversation. Do you tell your, your friends, your loved ones, the people you work with, will you just say, hey, I'm going to be gone for X number of days, or if it's an emergency, this is how you get in touch with me. How do you actually make that or define this moment where you go get away? 
Because again, I'm following your lead. I, I keep saying I'm going to. If I don't, then you come down here and you kidnap me and drive me up to Montana or fly me. I'll hold you to it. That's for sure. First of all, like technology, I'm certainly not one to denounce it. I think it's fantastic. I think certainly, especially in the advances of like, you know, there, there are a bunch of devices now you can take into the backcountry and and text through a satellite connection, which is really helpful. I mean, you know, it's like I spend a lot of time alone in the woods. It's nice to be able to, if I get hurt, if I break a leg or something, tell someone, right? It's good. And I, I don't think anyone ever needs to leave technology, but I do think it's important to like set it down for a minute and and carve out that time to go be present outside. For me, it's, um, I'm actually pretty bad about it. I, I like you, you know, like I know I've got to be out there and I'll, I'll feel it. And I'm, I just do it. Like, I don't, I forget to set an email autoresponder. I forget to tell <laughs> half the people that I'm leaving. I probably have like four conference calls lined up that I'm bailing on without telling anyone. So I, I'm probably like the least responsible person when it comes to this. But a, a buddy of mine and I went hunting, uh, Tim Ferriss, podcast guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great, great dude. He wanted to go um, archery hunting. And he asked if, if we could go together. I was like, sure, man. Yeah, I didn't know him that well at the time. You get, you get to know someone pretty well. And so we went into the backcountry for a week and lived out of this little teepee. And, and uh, you know, bottom line is that we we prepared for that trip for like eight months. And in hindsight that and some other trips, you know, he, he sort of did an audit of his year, year in review, so to speak. And, and one of the things he realized was like the happiest, most valuable sort of experiences from the prior year were ones that he deliberately set aside time for. And I, I think there's so much, especially with nature, right? To your point, mm-hmm. it's too easy not to. It's too easy to, ah, I got this call or, oh man, I got to get these emails done. Like there's always a reason not to go into nature. But, you know, like this bike trip you're talking about, that's a big deal. So if, if you just say, okay, these are the dates, and, you know, Tim's point was like, if you do that far enough out, yeah. then A, you get to look forward to it. But B, you're also like that windows of time is blocked. And if you wait till you get closer, we all know our schedules fill right up. The next weeks, months, years are just full now. Uh, and so I think it's, it's, it takes that uh, sort of that, that level of intention, right? Like of saying, okay, I want to do this bike trip. So I'm going to set, I'm going to put a week on the calendar and come hell or high water, I'm going. And then you spend that, you know, those months planning it and looking forward to it and, and receiving joy from it without even having gone on it. And then by, you know, when you go on it, then the pictures on your walls are from that bike trip, the stories you're telling, right? Like it's such an important thing to do, but to your point, it's too easy not to. So we've got to create that space and hold ourselves accountable and don't do it like I do, which is really reactively and, uh, and probably somewhat destructively because it tends to hurt all the other things in my life, like business and friendships and relationships. Cause I, I bail on everything. <laughs> but people who know you and appreciate you, they, they respect that that's what you need. But I think you raise a really good point, a great lesson for me and for anyone listening, which is it, it doesn't have to, it can be whatever is important for you. But if you put it on the calendar, you have to leave it there, plan for it and do it barring extenuating circumstances and don't use the excuses that we all do, including myself, I will do it this week if all these stars are aligned. Instead, it's I'm going to do this unless yes. hell freezes over and I need to, you know, and then it's it's on the books. And again, there are things that can happen that are beyond our control. And that is your time. And whether you're doing it by yourself, with your best friend, with your spouse, with your kids, it's there and no one can take that away from you. And it's also easier to tell everyone, hey, look, this is the week where our entire family, we are going to go to the mountains and camp by a river. 
I will not be available. And you know what? That <laughs> is okay. And you know what also is okay is you can go do that. And if you take pictures, save them for the photo album. If you don't have a cell signal, it's okay. Yep. 100% bro. You know how it is now. We're like, oh man, I, boy, this is a beautiful view. I should really share it with all my friends and family. <laughs> and boy, is this worth a social media post. <laughs> and then all of a sudden. That's uh, so true. Yeah. If you can get to a place where you don't have cell service, you might have an even greater, richer experience or more fulfilling. But uh, you know, it's funny. Cause like I, I even have the same trepidations, right? It's scary, but like I'll go on a river trip, like a week long river trip for, you know, for a week, there's no connection. And, and that like, I get anxiety sometimes about that, which I'm not proud of. But what I find is I get on the river and I go to bed and the stars come out and the moon comes up and I wake up and the sun comes up and the moon goes away. And I'm like, wow, the world's still turning. I'm not connected to email. I'm not, you know, I'm not there to support my coworkers, whatever, but the, the sun just came back up. So I guess it's okay. And you realize that it's not a big deal. <laughs> well, you want to know the single greatest detriment or reason for not doing the things you really want to do in life? It's anxiety. Interestingly, anxiety is also the potential biggest driver to do the things that can be the most meaningful. If you don't have anxiety before you do something, you typically do not get the reward because anxiety is your, it's your body telling you that this is something that's a little bit challenging. And if all we do day in and day out is wake up in the morning, go to work, do the same thing over and over again, and we don't ever feel anxiety, it means we're not challenging ourselves. And I think that's, you know, that, that is a profound thing because anxiety can fuel you to do really great, interesting, adventurous things, but you have to harness that anxiety and use that anxiety to actually put all the gear together in your boat you use that energy from that anxiety, that, that anxiety is also sometimes it's the thing that keeps you up at night. And maybe it's keeping you up at night because it's trying to teach you a lesson. I, I know for me that sometimes that's what it'll keep me up at night. And I'm like, what is this anxiety? What is it coming from? And it may be, you know what? I need a little break from work. Or it may be, you know what? I have not been by myself out in nature in two months. And so I've tried to get better about listening to that voice that comes from it's not a voice, but you know what I mean. Anxiety anxiety has a voice. We just don't always know how to listen to it because it, we don't always know what it's telling us. But when I can't sleep at night, there's always a reason. Or if I'm sort of, I'll call it the more positive anxiety. Unlike you, you probably go kayak class five rivers and just no skin off your back. And you, you're like, <laughs> oh, me? I wish. <laughs> I'm pushing off that river bank. My throat is somewhere so deep in my stomach. I'm like, Okay. Okay. Don't let everyone know how nervous you are right now. And yeah, I try to act all cool. Yeah, this is going to be great. <gasps> okay, let's go. And then of course, once you, once you start doing it, there's no more anxiety because you're just doing it. Right. So let me ask you this. And, and then um, I want to finish this off with just kind of a plea to anyone out there who wants to learn more about first descents or just wants to go on an adventure of their own. Since the whole theme of this, the reason we wanted to catch up is this, we're very similar in terms of knowing that there are a lot of answers out there in nature if we just listen to her, go experience her. I'm, so, again, so proud of you with everything you've done with First Descents and where it's gone from when you started it at such a young age to now. You're, Brad, dude, you're, you're a grown-up now. Yeah, I'm getting old. 
<laughs> we we all are. I need to remind myself that sometimes. Luckily, I just talked to Dave Asprey and he's convinced that we're all going to live to be 180. So, oh man, I'll take it. I'm having fun. Yeah. So we, we have many years left if that's the case, but I, I'm asking you subjectively just as Brad Ludden. And then the, my last question is going to be Brad Ludden, founder of First Descents. So what is your, I don't know if this is your internal voice. What, what does your body or mind tell you when it's absolutely essential that you need to take a break from the madness of current society? How do you know that that's, I don't want to call it anxiety or the, whatever it is that you know that that's, and maybe I'm, I'm talking in a circular way here, but so many of us develop angst and during the pandemic, uh, we're short with one another and, and there's all this just angst and negative energy and we don't know what to do. Is there is there a way that you're able to define that so that you know, for you at least, it's like, okay, you know what this is? This is my signal. As you were asking, I was thinking about that and I become irritable, right? I become, my attention span gets really short. I'm constantly turning to my phone out of like, it's almost like ghost rings, you know, like the thing's trying to talk to me and I and I, I'm irritable with my friends. I'm short and frustrated. I just find my state of being getting really toxic. And, and they're all normal feelings, right? But they just sort of start to compound on one another. And, and the way I'm spending my time, like each day is passing. and I'm not even remembering what I was doing or noticing what I did. And I'm, I, to your point, I'm getting like anxiety about, about the next day and, and my list of growing list of to-dos. And, and then I'm back on my phone. And it, I mean, it just becomes a sort of like maddening existence it sort of creeps up on me, right? Like it doesn't happen one afternoon. It's like, it's sort of the accumulative uh, effect of being in this, in this crazy world we live in. And it's, it, it takes a lot of self-awareness and I'm still working on it to understand, like to hit a trigger and be like, Whoa, okay, stop. Like this, you're not in a good place because that's for me, that's when it's time to get back outside in any capacity, just like take a break, set everything down, hit the pause button, create that that space in which you can you know go ride your bike go go for a hike go spend a few days alone outside and just be still and be quiet and, and recenter because if i can do that man it's like literally someone hit the reset button I'm, and i'm a much better productive person to to my friends to myself and to you know to the to the organization to everything i'm just a better person i'm happier for it so it's just that self-awareness when I, like you said, your irritability, short attention span, too much technology and anxiety, boom, hit the eject button. And now as the founder of First Descents, for people out there who maybe have a loved one who's dealing with cancer or some other very difficult health circumstance or mental health circumstance, if they're listening right now, have you noticed a pattern for when maybe it's a perfect time for someone to be a participant in a first descent program because obviously I think there's probably a time when it could be a little too early or even a little too late. Have you noticed a, um, because someone literally might be listening right now thinking that, you know yeah. what? Oh my gosh, my niece feel they, she seems to be in the perfect place that she needs this. Yeah. Um, because this is for anyone listening again, first descent is a program that, you may think in listening to this that it's for people who are adventurous. It's actually not. It is for anyone who needs, getting back to this concept of it needs a break. In this case, if we're talking about cancer, they just need a break 
to get their head straight, to spend time with, with other individuals who've had similar circumstances. But have you noticed that there's a, either a particular time in treatment or after treatment where this is the ideal time to engage in a, in a first descent program or heck, just go with the family and get out in nature. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, as far as it relates to, to first descents, certainly it's when that person maybe is at a place with their cancer where the, the, some of the psychosocial impact of the cancer starting to set in, right? Like, so there's obviously that more immediate dealing with the health implications of a diagnosis and, you know, what's your treatment plan? How, how are your doctors going to help you, you know, survive this? What are your meds, everything else? Um, and, and then it's usually sometimes after that, once, once that piece is sort of sorted out under control or, or, or there's some certainty around it, that some of the, the more so, social and psychological implications set in, you know, feelings of, of anxiety, of depression, of isolation or alienation, there, you know, to, over 70,000 young adults, 18 to 39 are diagnosed in the U.S. each year. That's not a small number. Yet most of the participants who come to a first descent program show up and say they've never met someone else their age with cancer. That just mm -hmm. baffles me. It, we, this is our 20th year of doing this, and we, every single program, it's still the case. And so I think if, if you are that young adult or if you, if you know that young adult and, and they're experiencing, whether you know, acknowledging it or saying it or, or you're noticing it, but those feelings of like isolation, right? Like they, we're all feeling it now, but... Um, or anxiety or depression. And, and it just doesn't make sense, right? Like you're not sure why you're feeling this, especially like for someone who's come through it and they've been given a clean bill of health. We have a lot of those participants and they, they show up and they're like, man, I just, I should have been happy. I survived. I should have just gone right back to my life, but there's still lingering effects of cancer that aren't just the physical. Uh, and that's become much more widely acknowledged now in the medical field. And certainly this treatment of adventure-based healing is something also acknowledged as it can it can be helpful in overcoming those those feelings. And so you said it earlier, you know, to come to a first defense program, they're free of charge. They uh, the participants, uh, as long as you're within eighteen to thirty nine and you have or have had cancer, uh, we take all participants, all all diagnoses, you know, anyone wherever they're at in their treatment. Um, and, and certainly, there's no prerequisite of having to you know to had any experience in the outdoors. That's just, that's why you're coming to the program. We provide that. Uh, and so really, you just, you just have to be at a place where you're feeling like you're ready to check it out. And, uh, and then I would strongly encourage you to do so because I think there's, just, there's a multitude of benefits by attending one of these uh, outdoor adventures with us. And I would also encourage anyone listening to consider donating to First Descents because, again, the programs are free of charge for the participants, which, of course, they should be. And, you know, one of the things I also am a big believer in is if you're going to share something, a concept, an idea or an action, then it has to be for everyone. And, and I think it's awesome that first ascents is free of charge for the participants. And again, getting back to that's one last thing that they have to think about. It's a chance to truly immerse themselves in a wonderful experience with, with like-minded or people going through similar experiences. And I've always been a big believer in what you're doing and we don't see each other enough, which is, just the unfortunate reality of a busy life, but we do, we, we got to get together soon and, and hang somewhere, vitamin N, where, wherever it may be. I am so down, man. I, I would be honored. It has been way too long and we do need to hang out more. Maybe practice what we preach. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll walk the walk. We'll make, we'll, we'll carve out time and make it happen. I'm going to talk to Paris tonight and I'm going to look at the calendar, but before I let you go for people who don't know what I'm doing, I'm, I'm just pulling up. Let's see picture of 
Yeah, that's you. Robert Redford is Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> Brad Ludden, there he is. I got to get my hair longer, man. Look at that guy. He's such a stud. What a stud. <laughs> hey, wait, are you, I know what you're doing. You're filming a movie out there in those mountains. Oh, you got me, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's my own selfie movie. One person will watch it. No, we'll get four oh. ratings. But uh, he's, yeah, that's a great film for anyone that's looking We are, for we're good, watching it tonight. Film. Jeremiah Johnson, and uh, anyone who wants to join Brad and my book club, um, Empire <laughs> of the Summer Moon, it is, how many pages is it again, Brad? It's a, it's, uh, it, it's huge, bro. It it's a little like it's intimidating. 5, I don't know. It a is a little so intimidating. intimidating. But if you all want to join the book club, check it out. It, it's going to yeah. take a little time commitment, but we've, Look, we're, we're getting back into this. We're making commitment to doing the things that we know are good for us that we enjoy. Hell yeah, I'm in, bro. All right, buddy. Hey, take care. Let's talk soon. And uh, we're going to put something on the calendar. I look forward to it, man. It's always a pleasure to see you, bro. We'll see you soon. Back at you. Be sure. safe in those mountains. Thanks. All right, peace. Thanks, man. I hope you enjoyed listening. Do not forget to subscribe and download and tell your friends. I would love to build this community and continue to be all about authenticity, optimism, and hope. Uh, looking forward to the next podcast. We'll see you soon. The Travis Stork Show podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.